Welcome, my friend, to Next Level Change Success, a change conversation for leaders, project and change practitioners for today and tomorrow. My name is Therese Perez of MyVirtualChangeManager.com and I'm an experienced change and project professional and people leader with many years of experience in the industry. I love business and I love the people side of business especially. So nothing lights me up more than seeing people use change management, project management and strong change leadership to engage, motivate and inspire people and ultimately transform organizations. If you've heard about change management and have no idea of what it involves, then you're in the right place. If you know about change management, but you want to take your practices to the next level, then this is where you should be. I'm going to share the stories of my experiences, interview some fantastic people, and I'm going to explore all of the challenges and opportunities that you face in organizations right now. So please join me and let's go and have some fun. Well, hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Next Level Change Success. My name is Therese Perez, and I'm the founder of myvirtualchangemanager.com. Welcome. Before I begin, I would like to acknowledge that I am recording on Tharawal Country and pay my respects to the traditional owners and custodians on the land on which I am speaking today and recording today, and pay my respects to elders both past, present, and emerging. So today's topic is all about change models. Which change model is the best change model? Which one should you choose in your organization or to introduce into your organization? So there's a couple of things I want to cover off and you may be a little bit disappointed. So I'm going to say it up front. I am change model agnostic. So that means that I do not have a preference. I have training in a number of change models. But the reality is, is that there are different aspects of each model which are relevant and which help you manage change if you're thinking i wanted an answer therese i want you just to tell me which one to choose i'm sorry to disappoint you Uh, what i am going to say is there's a couple that you should familiarize yourself with and if you're in an organization dependent upon its size it absolutely is worth having consistency in your change approach if you're a medium to large organization because you want to be able to capture change that is happening across the organization. And oftentimes that is why there's an enterprise project management office that gets set up is to actually capture all of the projects that are getting set up. But the change language around that is what impact do these pieces of work have and what impact are they going to have to help inform strategic decision-making insofar as sequencing, prioritizing, grouping change together to be far more efficient in how you introduce change. That is the reason, like you're never going to achieve that if you don't have consistency in your change approach and your change language. And so that's why many organizations of large scale have a framework that they introduce and certain tools and certain artifacts that they insist upon is so that that can roll up and help with strategic decision-making. I haven't yet seen many organizations really be able to lean into this effectively. I think it's a maturity thing. I think that with COVID in the last couple of years, that it has amplified the need to have change managers at the very least on projects and large transformational pieces. But the senior executive said, I think probably within the next 20 years, we'll see... uh, 
an increasing immaturity at that level to have those conversations. At the moment, because of those who have tenure and because of the various industries that people work in, old way of thinking, which is let's promote based on your expertise or your subject matter expertise versus your ability to be a generalist and strategist as such, that as that evolves and as diversity amongst the senior executives said increases, there'll be more, dare I say it, intelligence in this space or understanding in this space to understand the value of actually having strong, robust change-based discussions at the senior levels, not just in the junior burger levels. So just a couple of things to mention there. The questions that you should focus on versus what change model is best, and I will cover off on some of the key ones and the pros and cons of them, is, is our organization ready? Does our organization need a consistent framework? What is our organization willing to invest in this space? And do we have the level of sponsorship at a senior executive level that we will need to ensure this practice is respected and that it is going to be embedded at all levels of the organization because that's when you're really going to yield the best benefit around this type of investment. And if you look at, if you're in a medium to large organization, you could probably look at the historical conversation which might have taken place where consultancies have been at the table. This often happens in large organizations. That I've, um, that I've been in, where you're essentially paying a lot of money for external consultants initially. And that is because the organization isn't mature enough to hear it from its own people if it was to in-house that practice. And I think that that has merit, but it also has a tenure and a time limit in which you should actually have that in place. And then after a period of time, whether it be 18 months, whether it be 12 months, that you get the right people in, which is such a a big challenge, right? If you're recruiting for change people and change strategic change people, the right personality type, the right person who's gonna come in, have the right level of respect and earn that level of respect to warrant the investment and to set it up for success. I mean, they're, they're kind of critical factors to the success of any sort of change framework existing within an organization is that you're, you really do make sure that to set it up, to give it its best shot, that you're also making sure that the senior executive sponsorship's there um, to support the people. Because when something's new, as we all know, people will challenge it. They will scrutinize the investment into it. And with change, it can take six to 12 months for people to really understand the link between having change expertise at the table and the benefit that it gets, that the the business gets out of embedding in a a more structured and better way, the change that has been invested in. And then, you know, if you then go, okay, well, let's get more change people on. Eventually there is always a bubble where it actually says, no, you need to always be efficient with the focus of change resource in your organization um, to implement the change framework. After 12 months, you do want that strategic conversation to start happening, happen at an enterprise level if you've made that investment journey. So it could be two and two and a half years. And the reason why it actually takes so long as well is because the organization will continue to change through that time frame. So no one ever gets a clear run anymore in uh, setting something up in a stable business, being able to 
take their time, get all the uh, structure in place, do it what we call efficiently um, in a waterfall way. So one step after the other in a linear way. No one gets that luxury nowadays. Organizations are changing too fast. Decision makers are, are having to respond and react to post-pandemic economic pressures. That just never ends at the moment. So you do need to get someone on board who can get in, get some quick wins, get some relationships happening, have the, the senior sponsorship, can get reporting up happening, can then also make that tangible link between the investment and the return so that it's not questioned, and then uh, make sure the right tools are in place and that eventually if you're in a medium to large organisation, you get an enter- what we call an enterprise view of change happening which will enable decision making to happen at a strategic level where you might be saying we're introducing too much change to this cohort or this group at this point in time. We can't bundle more than five things together. Um, the capacity is not there. And then to continue that conversation and have it embedded in the organisation. So I hope that you're starting to understand that potentially which change model is best may not be where your headspace should be if you're introducing change into an organization. That being said, if you are further along the path and you say, yes, I've got the senior executive sponsorship, that's all sorted, Therese. We're really now looking at how we, which framework we should introduce. We've talked to various organizations. Let me take you through just a couple of pros and cons of different things. Uh, oftentimes I come into organizations or sometimes I come into organizations and I see a boutique offering that someone has rolled out within a certain area of an organization. If it's a big uh, or medium to large enterprise that you work within, what I would say is do not go boutique. You do need to go something a bit more industry standard. That's why ProSci has such a dominance in the market. So you may have heard of ADCAR, ProSci. And that is a well-respected discipline. It's research-focused. It is a significant investment, is what I would say, in your people. Um, it is possibly a little bit over-engineered because the focus, it, it can, can lend itself, but I think partly this is the issue with those practitioners who have the accreditation. First of all, it's still hard. You know, you would know from any training. So just an accreditation does not equal capability. Just be aware of that. So even if you're enrolling or recruiting people who have ProSci, it just means they might know the particular language. But it still may not mean they're very effective change managers. I, you know, suffice to say, I, I know that was a conversation I heard in uh, in a, a webinar earlier this year around you know accreditations don't mean capability and it's very very true so you need the blend of both but if you had consistent tools three or four consistent change tools that you applied from ProSci around assessment impact of the change the sponsorship kind of the strengths and weaknesses of so the sponsorship project aspects and change aspects they're they're good tools Right? So they're sound tools if the right people can facilitate the right conversation. So it does have to do a lot with the practitioners that you get to support this. But ProSAR has some good tools for sure. Do I think that it is worth the investment? Well, you can only determine that based on your transformation budget and knowing what you're investing in your program side. So for want of you know, a bit of a lack of having many tools available to you, 
it is still worthwhile considering the investment in ProSci. The other thing to think about is how strong your project or program practice is within your organization because change can only exist in partnership with good project discipline or at least an awareness of the phases around projects. A change manager can certainly hybrid and be a project and change manager, manage risk as well as deliver the change in medium-sized enterprises. When you start to get to large enterprises, you really do want to make sure that there's a strong partnership between the project and the change management teams, if not sitting under the same umbrella, because it's kind of like sitting on a three-legged chair. You've got how strong is your leadership, how strong is your project side, and how strong is your change side. The fourth actually leg to that chair, because we've gone from like a a three-legged stool to actually a sound, I think a more stable chair, is how strong is your customer design practices? So for those of you, if you've jumped onto myvirtualchangemanager.com and you've had a look at our change diamond of effectiveness, it's actually about the four elements that really do make a difference around your design approach, your project approach, your change approach, and how strong is leadership are those four elements that really do contribute to effectiveness and to benefits in any sort of program. So do consider those elements within your ecosystem. How strong is your project side? Because it is better to integrate, always better to integrate the change side with the project side so that it's clear around at this stage in the process, this is what the change team do to deliver. Now, if you go to myvirtualchangemanager.com, you can have a look at operational, operational change program. It has the relevant tools there for those who if you're interested in looking at the simple tools that you can use at different stages, it tries to simplify and integrate it into the project lifecycle. And the reason why we do this is because oftentimes that's the great debate. Project person saying, I need a change plan. Change person saying, well, I don't know what the project's trying to deliver yet. And so this tries to remove that noise through this integration. So have a look at that program if you're looking for something like that. So, and once again, that's regardless of change model and ProSci is pretty good in its three phases that it talks about um, and it has tools in relation to that. ADCAR, a little bit different in its psychology. It's very popular, ADCAR, as the acronym, has all the key elements really, but the ADCAR cycle can happen in a matter of a week or in a matter of a whole program. There's a lot of debate about like what's the time relevance as people go through all these stages, like where are people at? And so many change majors use it because people tend to know about ADCAR, but something to think about. The Cotter model, so let's talk about the Cotter model because a lot of people talk about Cotter versus ProSci. Um, it's kind of like Apple and Matt, uh, the IBM you know, kind of thing. So Android and the iOS, etc. you know, this either or. And I don't like those conversations. I just think there's benefit in each of those models. One of the things with Cotter that I do like is the language that it uses for its eight steps that you go through when it comes to change. It's similar in its, its methodology or similar in its theory to ProSci. So still the acknowledgement of the vision, the leadership aspect, I think ProSci is a little bit sharper on sponsorship. I certainly had an aha moment with ProSci around, oh yeah, 
as a change person, you shouldn't be talking about the change. You get the business to talk to the business about the change. That's that's when you know you're really empowering people to talk about it. But people tend to get the, especially at the uh, leadership level, they understand the Cotter model pretty clearly because of those eight steps which are articulated. I don't know that ProSci has really done a good job of that. But then ProSci has some great research, you know, around where and does it every year to help improve also their own model. So they they both have their merits. Let's talk about Agile. Because I think Agile is really interesting as well because now there's this you know, catchphrase, there's the almost the, um, the shiny, shiny thing. Oh, we're running Agile here. This is how we do it. Scrum, scrums. We've got scrums, scrums, scrums. And yet people say, yeah, well, it's Agile or it's fragile. That's what we're actually running in all reality. And for some organizations, they have just struggled with Agile because they're a waterfall rhythm. And then all of a sudden, Agile, people want to move to Agile, but they're not mature in their organization setup, in the teaming aspects culturally. And then they really do struggle to introduce Agile. And then consider a change manager coming into that and someone saying, hey, we run Agile here. Are you up to speed with Agile ways of running change? And the change person just getting overwhelmed and also frustrated. So Agile is about you know, at speed, but it's about teaming. How do I identify what we're going to be delivering in this next release? How do we communicate it fast? How do we get any sort of capability uplift as a journey? When you look at your release train, which is typically a three-month time frame, and there are sprints within that. So there's delivery, delivery, delivery. It's this iterative process. You need to communicate the psychology around that, how the how the end product will be delivered, get those feedback loops really robust. This design element is really critical for the end receiver to understand and where do they provide their feedback. There's a lot from a change perspective to really look at and support. And you need to be okay with uncertainty. So most definitely in organizations, if you're in a tech-focused organization, a software developing, like those organizations are used to running this way and there are change people who have worked in those programs and they love it. That's how they like to work. The communication frameworks are set up that way too. So there's not this you know, over-engineering of things. It says there's an acceptance of iteration and pilot test learn theory so if you if your organization is a continuous improvement focused organization it's like we have to respond to the market fast we have to get this piece out we have to communicate to our customers fast we have to test this fast and we need to get the feedback learn from it communicate it see how well it's performing then iterate on it then you want an agile change framework which once again has to link in with the program format, has to work, work in with the project and program way of working. And then if it is truly agile, then the customer design element is front and center anyway, because that's the whole focus is how fast can I get feedback? How fast can I test? Cuts through the bureaucracy, however, it still does need governance. And that's the key thing. And as does change. And the, and the key... Yeah, there still needs to be 
an element of what are we delivering within this sprint cadence for this month? What else is happening? What are we seeing around the receptiveness of it? Do we need to slow down our cadence? What's happening? So these are the things that um, you need to look at when looking at change within an agile environment. And there are some change models out there for agile as well. So just to wrap up, oh, and you do have the Llewellyn model as well. So that's that um, freeze, unfreeze, refreeze aspect. Interesting from a behavioral perspective was in the early 1900s, really, 1940s, I believe, that that model was released. Has some really interesting behavioral aspects to it. But it's a, I'm going to say it's a bit old, but sometimes old is good because it's simple. The concepts are still sound. So this is about that you do need to have an interrupt. You do need to consider behaviors. And, and we'll talk about behavioral change in episodes coming up for sure. This is about how do you address the behaviors because it's the only way that you're going to actually be able to embed. And at some point you do need to get to a future state of sorts. Knowing that actually the speed of change nowadays is so fast you would debate that there's never really a future state. It's just an evolutionary state. And I think that's probably more a terminology which would resonate to people. What's the next evolution? And then we're moving on. Because it's never a, st- a future state. That says it's a, a stake in the ground of where we want to go. That serves a purpose. But this is evolution we're talking about. Speed of change is fast, multi-layered, challenging. And yet... We still like to have things as a freeze state. We still need something something certain in the uncertainty. So potentially evolution just allows people to free that up a little bit psychologically. We're going to continue to evolve. We're going to continue to learn. And we're going to continue to grow. Because that's what organisations actually, in fact, do do. If they do change right. I can't believe I just said do do in a, in a podcast. But there you go. Um, So anyway, I hope that gives you some idea around where your focus of your question should be. It should be, are we ready for this? Have we got sponsorship for this? What capability are we going to need to support this? What's the investment we want to make into this? Then go and have a look at your models. If you're looking small, if you're in a small organization, and by small I mean like less than 100 people, 100, 250 people, then really you can look a little bit boutique-y. You can go boutique. You can go, well, this is a model I like. I know the person or, you know, the, the uh, small change agency who are going to come in and talk to us about this and we will implement that because it's cost effective. It's good. Make sure that you own the IP, that you can adapt the tools as you need. When you're medium to large, you want to start looking more consistently, sustainably. So you want something as a practice that either you can, you've got the templates for, or that you can source the templates for, and upskill people internally on, and then roll it out and sustain it within your organization, but that it's aligned to industry. Know that the impact assessments can be rolled up into an enterprise view, see what software or technology supports it as well, and that's when you get to also the enterprise view. I think that's probably the biggest gap in the market at the moment is around making sure that you have the right software because Jira um, and other project-related software really are not factoring in the change aspect in, in the purest sense. So looking at heat mapping impact with a rating system that works. 
if you're interested in that, reach out to me because certainly I have some tools that I would gladly share around how you can approach that. And also for larger organizations, like you may choose, it's always that, do I buy in or do we build? And you need to also build though, not based on one person's view of the world, but on a framework. So that's the key to that as well. Make sure you have the executive sponsorship, you will need it. And I gave some hints and tips earlier about what to do when you're actually introducing this. And most importantly, if you're introducing a framework, run it like a project itself, run it like a change in and of itself that will yield you the best result. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Come and visit us at myvirtualchangemajor.com. Stay in touch. If you found this episode of value or any of the other episodes of Next Level Change Success, please share it with your friends, your colleagues, people who you think are interested in the change conversation. I would greatly appreciate that. I want to reach out and help as many people as possible and I'm up for discussion, I'm up for debate. So if anyone wants to reach out, please don't hesitate to email me and I hope you have a wonderful day.